Amen. Amen. Well, Bobby, week one, we, you jumped out and you talked about Samson. Yeah. In the first week, kind of in simplicity. Yeah. Right? Trying to catch up a little bit and get going. And when you talked through Samson, one of my favorite parts of that, of that sermon was that he was the kind of guy that flirted with greatness, but he also flirted with death. Yeah. That there was this certainty that he had to figure out where he was going to discover his satisfaction. Yeah. And so the punchline of that first week was while it was tragic, the Lord inevitably gained glory through his life because he came back to a faith that he understood. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a powerful, powerful sermon. When I was listening to it, I thought, man, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't want to wait. I, I want that power to be able to live in the moment. Right. You know, I really, I want to be able to live in the moment. Like when I've listened this week to everybody talking about how you can and how you can't have Thanksgiving, my first thought is I want to, I want to live in the moment regardless of what you can or can't do. Right. You you know, week two, uh, it was Psalm 139. And in Psalm 139, there's this sense that uh, there's, uh, there's no hope in finding satisfaction in ourselves that truly, uh, God has something far better for us. But that's only true if we, if we live it, if we believe right. it, if we put faith in action. And this week, we want to come to an awareness that a lot of folks literally just aren't satisfied. Right. And sometimes I think that's me and you. Like when, I sit, when we sit down and we talk about church business or even our personal lives, there's a lot that is uh, fractured and hurting right now. Yeah. But we've also talked a lot about people who have sent us notes and shared about this has been kind of the hardest part of this year. Yeah, it's so interesting. So to be able to talk about Satisfied for three weeks, to go into this week of Thanksgiving, to try to think about, all right, the holidays are around the corner. What are we going to do? It's just uh, for us, or at least for me, there's been this low-grade frustration during this season. I don't know if y'all felt that. Sort of like a low-grade fever where where you just don't feel well. There's not huge symptoms, but there's, you know, just more agitated. So I just threw it out there. We threw it out there on social media to ask people, how are you doing during this season? And the last time I looked, there's over 70 responses, and most of them, honestly, are just gut-wrenching. They really are. I mean, people walking so many hard things this season, the the losses of loved ones, and they weren't able to be there in the final days, and they weren't able to be there during the funeral. Yeah. Uh, e- even on the other end of the spectrum, some weddings that we've been a part yeah. of this, this yeah. year where they've been waiting, like, this is the day, this is the big day, this right. is the big day, and then they end up only a- able to have eight or ten people there because of the risk of it. Well, I, think then, of a, I think of the Perkins family, and uh, so really a mom and a dad pass away, and you, you, couldn't, you couldn't bring everybody together. I can't, it's just gut-wrenching. Yeah. I read from one young mom that, listen to, I'll quote her, watching the world destroy itself and feeling helpless, watching friends that you thought were nice people say such mean and nasty things because of a political party affiliation. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the angst. Listen, listen to another young mom, not being able to attend my great-grandfather's funeral. Yeah. Or listen to this fella, Parenting without being able to tell my children what's next. Yeah. I, I read this one from a dear friend about my age says, seeing the complete lack of love toward others displayed by so many of my Christian brothers and sisters is deeply perplexing and yet has exacted an emotional toll. Absolutely. 
Isn't that amazing? It's heartbreaking to read comment after comment after comment after comment. Now, I think there's been positive things that have happened during COVID, and we're going to talk about those in a couple of weeks. But, man, let's just acknowledge yeah. that there's been some heaviness. I mean, there's been losses of jobs. There's been health crises going on. There's been spiritual battles going on. There's been a lot going on. And so what we thought we'd do today is there's a conversation that we have pretty often and things that we sort of wrestle with in our own conversations. And what I found is typically if we're thinking about it and we're navigating it, sometimes that's an indicator that more people are as well. Right. And so today's not designed to be flashy. Today's not designed to be uh, uh, this in, uh, sort of in the, in the weeds kind of thing. But what we want to do today is give you some handles going into the holidays, yeah. realizing that the holidays in some ways bring out the best in us and at the same time can bring out the worst in us. Yeah. That in, over these next days and weeks ahead, when we sing songs of joy to the world, we realize there's a lot of families that aren't feeling the joy right now. And there's a lot of marriages that are, in fact, uh, some of the surveys say that divorce the, the percentage of divorces is on the rise. Divorce is on the rise. Abuse is mm -hmm. on the rise. Uh, what we find are families in crisis on the rise. Yep. And that's before you even consider the holiday jump and bump and yep. all of those. Teenagers you know that dealing old, with anxiety. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. The amount of students that are dealing with significant anxiety is overwhelming. Yep. I, uh, you know that old Christmas song, Next Year Our Troubles Will Be Far Away? I mean... I, I, I would like to believe that's true, yeah. you know, with vaccines hopefully on the horizon. Yeah. But I think most of us would say, I'm ready for 2021. Let's move forward. The problem yeah. is you can't get there. You got to deal with the present. Right. And you got to deal between now and December 31. Yeah. And so a lot of good folks are rattled in the middle of this. And a lot of believers are fractured yep. in the middle of this. And what's interesting is that Jesus spoke to his disciples in times that were fractured and rattled as well. Yeah. Jesus knew exactly what would happen today, even at that time. And he says in John chapter 13, in verses 34 and 35, these words that, that you have heard regularly over the last few weeks. So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, there's three key points. First thing Jesus says, this is new. Yep. The second thing Jesus says is the part of it that's new is don't love the way you know how to love, love the way I love. And then the last part he says, and when you do that, people are going to know that you are my disciples. I don't know anybody that has a problem with Jesus. Right. I know a lot of people that have a problem with those of us that claim to be Jesus followers. If you want to know why the church buildings aren't full or thousands aren't flocking to online worship services, it's because they have seen believers not act in love. And so the thought is, well, if that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus, 
no thank you. Yeah. So when you look at a world that's upside down, you have to say, well, no wonder. Yeah. No I mean, wonder. no wonder. Yeah. So I think when I look at that, there's some things, Bobby, that we, we know and we learn and we have to recognize. But let's go back to that text, love one another. The great question that people ask is, well, how do I do that? Right. I mean, right. What does that actually yeah. look like? If we're not seeing it modeled around us, what does it look like? And so I wanna, we want to talk through sort of three ideas that we think are super helpful. I mean, these three things have been things we've talked about. There, it's been a journey that I've personally been on the last three or four years to try to wrap my head around this. And the first thing is, and if you're a note taker, feel free to jot these down or you can find them in the app as well. But the first one is to recognize that everybody struggles. Yeah. Now, let me just let that sit for a second. It would be easy just to keep rolling through that and to think uh, that's not an important point. But just take a moment. If you're here in the room, look around just for a second. Or if you're watching online and you're by yourself, turn on your selfie camera just for a second yeah, and look yeah. at yourself. Every single person that you put your eyes on is somebody that has some version of struggle going on. Right now. Right now. And, and it's different. It, it could be different. I don't mean to, to put us all in the same category and act like it's all the same. I realize there could be that you're only struggling with your own insecurities, but we're all struggling. I mentioned this last week, and I want to make sure you hear it again. When we recognize that everybody struggles with something, that it's universal, that we're all dealing with difficulties, it should cause us to have a sense of empathy and sympathy and action on that. Yeah. That's the difference. That's a powerful application of that. Yeah. Because as you think about it, everybody struggles. The disciples were struggling. Jesus is a few days away from the cross, and they don't really get it yet. And one of them is about to betray Jesus. He's about to go to the garden and sweat drops of blood. I mean, the, these words weren't given in a hallmark right. moment. Th right. This was a, a crazy moment. And so to say that to all of us, we're all struggling. Now, here's a second sort of caveat to that. Uh, here, here, here's a question I want you to consider as you think about it. What do you expect from life? Mm. In other words, do you expect life to be easy or do you think life ought to be hard? And the reason why this is such a powerful question is because when you consider everybody struggles and then there's a lot of people that assume that they shouldn't have any struggles, right. it sets them. There's this, I've, I've forced an expectation 
onto yep. both my life and those around me yep. with the belief that everything's supposed to be just right. But we, remember this, folks, we are fallen men and women that live in, in, in a sin-filled world. Absolutely. And so when the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, the scriptures are saying bad things are going to happen to everybody. Yep. Difficult things are going to come. And we are going to magnify them in our own world through several ways, considering your family of origin. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where everybody has a backstory. Everybody's got a daddy issue. Everybody's got a parental issue. Everybody's got a child issue. Everybody had a difficult time in middle school. Some folks had a difficult time in high school. Some of you went off the rails in college, but we all have a story. Yep. And this is the thing that I think we've got to grow as Christians have an empathy for. Do you save the bows for next year or do you fold the, every family's got those things. And so when you're frustrated, remember, we all have a family of origin and and most of us don't talk about it before we get married. We just get married and then we're like, huh, that is the weirdest thing I ever saw at Christmas. (laughs) You know what? That is, that is so true. So, uh, so I've, I've been married to two extraordinary women, right? So in my first marriage, uh, when we took the girls to Disney World, we laughed at people that bought those massive turkey legs and walked around eating turkey legs, right? And I would never consider walking around Disney eating turkey legs. It just didn't make sense to me, right? Yeah. So when Jenny and I got married and put six girls together and all eight of us went to Disney World, yeah. they couldn't wait to get a turkey leg. Yeah. And they all grabbed those turkey legs. They're walking around eating a turkey leg and I'm I'm gagging and all of a sudden it was like the, it was like a war was ready to break out between the Hatfields and McCoys over turkey legs yep. right but this we all bring our baggage and we bring it to its extreme at the holidays so the first one is recognized it's all there but honestly it's not that big a deal yeah but the second one is to recognize our personality. We all have a personality. And there's been this rise in people talking about personalities. You can talk about DISC. You can talk about Myers-Briggs. You can talk about what color you are. Yeah, you can talk yeah. about your Enneagram number. Yeah. You can do all of that stuff. But all that to say, we're all different. Yeah. We're just all different. We all have our preferences. We all have our ways. And sometimes people think... And so that creates frustration, family of origin, personality stuff. But one that we can't overlook is the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. That's right. The Bible talks about there is a spiritual war going on. And so whether you can see it with your physical eyes or not, there's a battle going on. That's right. There is a battle. When you look at scripture, the backdrop of scripture is there is an enemy. 
And the enemy wants to attack God. And if the enemy can't defeat God, then he begins to attack his children. And sometimes some of the frustration we feel, we blame on the wrong people. We blame it on a mom right. or a dad. Because I think, I think as believers, it's like, but if, if, I, if I could just love God more, if I could just pray more, if I, if I could just give more, if I could just go more, then I wouldn't have these problems. It is the exact opposite. Because if, if, if the Lord is not allowing you to be a part of wonderful and great ministry, I promise you Satan's not going to bother you. I mean, if you're attempting to do nothing for anybody, if you're attempting to do nothing for the cause of Christ, if, if you're perfectly content not giving, going, serving, loving, praying, no. if you're perfectly content doing nothing but coming to church, I'll promise you, Satan's okay leaving you alone. So if you're here today and you feel like spiritual warfare is just overwhelming you, be grateful because you're doing something to tick Satan off. One of the things that I know is happening in the midst of our church is massive spiritual warfare among our staff and their families. And the reason is there is we are bloodying the nose of Satan and kicking him in the mouth week by week, month by month, day by day. And friend, listen, Paul says, count it all joy. Because when you do these things for the cause of Christ, you are experiencing the beautiful, wondrous love and the beautiful, wondrous Yep. grace of Christ. Yep. So wear it like a badge of honor. Stop trying to pray your way out of all of your mess. Recognize it's spiritual warfare and go fight harder. Go kick Satan in the mouth. When you pray, listen, I want to beg you. When you pray, pray often, pray nonstop, open that conversation with God every morning this week. And every time you feel like, oh, I, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It ought to sound like this. God, I don't know what to do. Give me wisdom. God, I don't know how to deal with that person. Let me know. Yeah. Talk with God nonstop. This is the only battle against spiritual warfare. That's so good. Pray. Yeah. These are all struggles. These are all yeah. very real struggles. There's, we all come from different family backgrounds. We all have personalities. There's the spiritual war that's the backdrop of everything. And here's the last part of the struggle I'll mention. We could talk about more, but let me give you the most obvious one. It's called COVID-19. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea here is I don't think anybody's at their best. No. And no, so no, no. when it comes to finding satisfaction, if we... If we're trying to find satisfaction in somebody else besides yeah. God, we're going to be sorely yeah. disappointed because we yeah. all have family of origin issues. We all have personality quirks. We all are experiencing spiritual warfare. Yeah. And on top of all of that, we're in a global pandemic. Yeah. And so yeah. Here's, here's a practical application. Look at this picture on the screen. How you see people determines how you treat them. And what happens so often in the holidays when we get frustrated or you get in a highly charged political season or you get uh, in, in the midst of it, uh, mask or no mask, when we get pulled into all of that, oftentimes we're tempted to see people that are different than us as criminals. Right. 
And so we think like a judge where, we, where we're sentencing them. We're like, right. man, I can't believe that person. I can't believe that crazy aunt. Is she going to do that thing again? Yeah. I can't believe that kiddo. I can't, and I, I can't believe my spouse. I fell in love with them. And now I'm on the other end of the, right? If we see people as criminals, we're going to treat them like criminals. That's right. But if we realize that everybody's actually a patient, yeah. everybody is sick everybody is sick. That's right. No matter if they look like they have it together or not, every single, every single one of us is terminal. That's right. None of us are going to live forever. What if we saw people this season as somebody that's sick, that doesn't need a judge, they need mm. a doctor. Mm. They don't need somebody to go off on them and write them off. They need somebody that would see them as somebody that, that is valuable, that's hurting, and ask this question, how can I be the medicine they need today? Right. How can I be the medicine they need? It, it would be easy just to go off and storm out of the house, but if you think about Jesus' words, love one another, how you yeah. see people affects the way that and sometimes you treat them. It's, sometimes it's that initial thought because the way you see people is going to dictate how you treat them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a his inside crew, and one of them, Peter, is especially known for taking the bait. I mean, Peter's a ready, fire, aim kind of guy. So what I mean is that whenever something's uncomfortable, Peter jumped into action and he wasn't thinking. I mean, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a lot like that. In fact, a few pages later, Peter cuts a dude's ear off. Right. I mean, he just he jumps into action. He, he acts before he thinks. And so I think what happens is we're often tempted to take the emotional bait and get drawn into the drama of not just family, but friend and neighborhood and community. How many of you are part of an HOA? Can I see your hands? How many are part of an HOA? Could I just say, when you look up HOA in the dictionary, you know what the definition is? Drama. (laughs) Drama. You find me somebody who wants to be the chair of the board of an HOA? Drama. (laughs) drama run Forrest run but what I'm saying is there are folks that take this emotional bait and before long they've literally burned the joy of this season burning up their emotional energy taking the bait part of navigating through the holidays folks is determining to put some space between whatever triggers you and your response to it it'd be easy to do what Peter did and respond impulsively don't take the bait. And what's funny is most of the time uh, we all have instincts and we also have impulses. Yeah. Instincts is sort of the higher thinking of us. That's like, Oh, based on past experience, here's the wise thing to do. Impulses are what, what's my natural sort of tendency. And one silly example, I don't even know if I've ever told you this one, but, uh, back after Laura and I first married, we rented one of the houses next door. Cause we were like, we don't know what we even need. And then uh, about eight or nine months later, we bought our first house. And one of the, uh, one of the unexpressed 
excitements I had about our house was when we bought our first house, we had a garage. And now this is how silly family of origin stuff is. Growing up, every house that we had had a garage. We were never able to park a car in it. Because so much stuff. So much stuff. I mean, it was just blown up stuff. My dad probably had a little bit of hoarding in him. And so, uh, so when we bought this house, I had this big dream. One day I'm actually going to get to park my car in a garage. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And I know my expectations weren't high, right? And so we moved to the house and you know how the story goes. Boxes blow up everywhere. The garage ends up crowded. And so Laura, so we're still newlyweds at this point. We've been married eight or nine months at this point. Being newlyweds, she's thinking, hey, this was a big deal for Bobby to be able to park in the garage. So she says, well, since we've got all this stuff and you can't park, why don't we rent a storage building mm. and uh, then you'll be able to park? And I don't, I don't know what I said. Wasn't good though, was it? But wh- whatever I said or probably how I said it was not the right answer. And I saw her turn around, tears in her eyes. And I, I wish I remember exactly what I said. But in that moment, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know in that moment I'd actually taken the bait. I, I didn't, it wasn't until a couple years later that I was uh, in a premarital uh, session with a young couple that was about to get married. And that we we're just talking about communication, how we all bring sort of a backstory. Yeah. We all have a backstory. Yeah. Uh, psychologists call it meaning assignment, where we, we take some past experience and we apply it to some current thing that may or may not be true. And what the backstory of that was when I was in college, uh, our house was struck by lightning. And it caused a house fire. It wasn't a big fire. It wasn't that big of a deal, but the smoke damage was extensive. And so we had to move out of the house for a couple of months and we had to put a bunch of stuff into storage. Well, after the house was uh, refurbished and we moved back in, we never emptied out our storage unit. And so we kept paying the monthly fee. We kept paying the monthly fee. We kept paying the monthly fee. Fast forward 10 years later, when my dad passed away, we're still paying this monthly fee, this Mm. monthly fee. Finally, a couple years after that, we go to empty the unit and we find out that 95% of it should have been thrown away in the first place. And so here we were spending $120 a month times 12 months a year times 12 years. And so in my mind, when Laura says, let's get a storage unit so you can park your car in the garage, in my mind, I hear, let's waste $15,000. Lord bless Bobby and his marriage. That's going to help strength. somebody today. <laughs> I promise you, it's going to help somebody. I want to I give you some help this week as well. All right? So for the next five days, every day, we're going to have a Thanksgiving meditation for you. You just go to weekdaymeditation.com. You can find it on the app on our website. But go to weekdaymeditation.com. You're going to have five days yeah. of Thanksgiving meditation. It'll take about five minutes yeah. each. We're, listen to these five things because they're very important. For you to be prepared for the holidays, don't focus on the negative. I want to give you some scripture and a way to help with that. Don't fo- focus on your lack. All right? Live in the present, not your not your future or your past. Yeah. Learn how to not complain and gossip about that aunt or uncle or mom that always does that thing. Yeah. And don't give up. Or staff member. Or staff member. Yeah. And don't do that thing. Okay, don't, so finally, don't though, about me. yeah, definitely. So finally, though, we want you to choose a different response. This is so practical. Jesus says, love one another. And sometimes we give all the excuses of why we can't live that out. In fact, most people use love like it's a noun. Jesus uses it like a verb, That's right. meaning it's an action. That's right. No matter your personality, no matter your uh,
Right. You can choose a better way. Listen to some of the things that Jesus says, or even the New Testament says, when there's struggle, count it all joy. Mm. Be joyful. In everything, give thanks. Be thankful. In the Old Testament, when sin is knocking at your door and it has a desire for it, you can choose to say, I'm going to master it this yeah. season. When you feel like you've been wrong and others have offended you and they accuse you and they sin against you, here's the action Jesus tells us in the gospel, forgive them. When we have an issue with somebody, Jesus gives us this picture in Matthew to go directly to them. When we see sinful behavior, then instead of gossiping about them and, and, and tweeting or Facebooking about them, to go directly to them and speak the truth in love. When somebody uh, offends us, or as the Bible says, strikes you on one cheek, Jesus says, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. And when we see a need, we step up and provide for it. These are all things that we can choose to do. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross, he modeled that. He forgave them. Yeah. He responded to them. He yeah. committed no sin. He uttered no threats. Jesus models what it looks like. It's like 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. Yeah. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you example for you to follow in his steps. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about y'all. I, I love floor uh but one time this past year we were in the balcony and we were actually on the front row yeah. of the balcony and i discovered that it's so much better up there because your your view get you, you see the whole picture yeah. so much easier but my, my encouragement to you through these times is get in the balcony of your life and see the bigger picture of god at work See the bigger picture of the fact that you are, you are God's child and that yeah. he holds you in the palm of his hand and he has all these other things under control. Yeah. When you hear all of the desperation and you hear all the anger, let it fall off of you. Yeah. Let him take that and let your response be, I will be known by how I love one another. Mm. When you stop and say, Chuck, what's the Christian's role, especially in the holidays, in the middle of a pandemic, to love one another. But Chuck, they didn't vote like I did, love one another. Well, Chuck, they, they don't come back to church because they're not willing to wear a mask, love one another. Well, listen to what their kid did, love one another. But do you love one another? And you can't say it to yourself over and over again and let your prayer be, listen to these, listen to these Thanksgiving meditations each of the next five days. Let them soak into your heart and let your response be, Lord Jesus, I want to love one another because you first loved me. Let's pray. God, we love you. And in this time, God, I pray that you would speak into our heart and you'd reach down deep in our soul. You'd take a vacuum cleaner and just remove the selfishness and the sin in our life. Remind us, Lord, that this life is hard. There's nothing easy about trying to live the human life, and yet there's something that's miraculous about living it in your power and walking with you. God, I pray for folks that are struggling in so many different ways. They would do, they would just literally reach out and take the Lord, you, by, by the hand. God, would you walk beside them? And Lord, if, if they don't know how to reach out and hold your hand, grab theirs. 
But God speak into these folks' life and know that this world is not as you designed it. For folks that have never trusted you, I pray right now they would do the simplicity of calling on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, step into my life. I need you. I need you to become my savior and forgive me of my sin. I want to thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me as payment for my sin. I want to make a U-turn with my life. I want to live for you all the days of my life. Friend, if that's your prayer, then Jesus heard you. I I would embarrass you for anything, but I'd love to hear from you. Just send me a note at chuck at sugarhillchurch.com. And I'd love to hear from you. We'll even send you something that'll help you with your walk in Christ. But for some of you here this week, man, you've been a believer for a long time. Some of you are watching online. You've been a believer for a long time. And Lord, remind them of your goodness and your grace and your love. Remind them of your mercy. Remind them to love one another as you have loved us. God, we're reminded you loved us enough that you left the beauty and grandeur of heaven and went to a filthy stable. That you lived a perfect, sinless life in the middle of this nasty, filthy world. That you endured being spat upon and beaten and hung on an old wooden cross and your life was taken so that we might have life. But Lord, I'm so grateful that three days later you pushed that stone out of the way. You walked out of that grave that we could live for eternity, but that we could live in the power of right now because of you. That we could walk in the power of your spirit, that we could reach out and hold your hand, that we could trust you in the middle of difficult times and we could love one another. Lord, hear our prayer. Calm our souls, slow our mind. Remind us every day to listen to that meditation and let your word seep into our soul. And let us walk in the confidence that we are children of the most high God. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. Before you head out today, I'd love just to take a moment and invite you to lean into this Christmas season. Uh, If there's any time that we need hope, if there's any time we need joy, if there's any time that that we need to celebrate who Jesus is, I think it's the season. And so next Sunday is when we officially kick off Christmas in Sugar Hill. And so I want to invite you to be part of that. In fact, we're going to have the Lord's Supper together in person. And so I'd welcome you to to prepare your hearts for that. If you're watching online, you can uh, prepare to have some elements available that day as well. And then next Sunday night at 7 p.m., we have a very unique time of worship that we call Blue Christmas. And it's honestly this recognition that there's a lot of people that have unfinished business when it comes to mourning something and walking through a challenge. And so if you find yourself in that place, I want to invite you to join us for this very intimate time of worship over in the chapel. I'll tell you, last year it was, uh, I mean, mean, that was a deeply moving spiritual evening. Absolutely. Women's 
Christmas flourish. If y'all don't know Lisa Harper, she's a big deal. She really is. And she was here this last year and we don't usually have people back to back, but she's so good and has such a heart for ladies. And we've got extremely limited seating for this evening. We do wanna practice social distancing and safety, but we think it's so important for ladies to be encouraged going into the season. So husbands, I would encourage you to buy a ticket for your wife, uh, figure out the, the babysitting situation, maybe have a date night with your kids that night, fellas, so that your wife or your spouse, your yeah. significant other can be here for that. And then uh, Christmas Eve is going to be obviously December 24th. We're going to be gathering at 3, 5, and 11. 3, 5, that and 11. That 11 o'clock service is unbelievable. Absolutely. I mean, just communion, candlelight at 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve. I mean, last year I was blown away at how many people. Yep. We've got more about Christmas season that will roll out. We've got some surprises that I don't want to tell you about yet. That's going to be just, I think, a treat for your family. But then I also want to let you know, December 27th and January 3rd, December 27th and January 3rd, we'll move to online only those two Sundays. What what a lot of people may not know is that there's several hundred people that serve every single Sunday. Sometimes it's for an hour or an hour and a half, or when you consider our tech crew and our worship team, that's actually a 10 hour a week commitment on the weeks that they're serving. And so one of the things that we want to do to bless those, uh, especially those that serve, is to give them a couple of Sundays where they can just be totally dialed in with their family. And so I want to encourage you to make plans to gather around the TV or the tablet, the device. Uh, We've got some really cool teaching. When we go today, know that out in the lobby, there are those opportunities, whether it's to uh, provide for a child in Sugar Hill, right. whether it's to be part of a holiday meal box, right. whether it's part of being uh, Ishmael, Mexico. I want to encourage you to consider what are some ways that you can serve this season. Yeah, even Cal probably wants two more cards. So make sure you go by and, <laughs> I'm sorry, and, Cal. and get those I'm cards. I'm so sorry, Hey, Cal. I'm sorry we went late today. We had a lot we were trying to the time. Y'all go in peace. God bless you. Love you guys. Have a great day. That's a golf clap right there. I wish y'all would really clap if you're going to clap. I feel like I just knocked in a par putt. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're here all week.